Elegies by Rainier Maria Rilke. <clears throat> why, when this span of life might be fleeted away, why have to be human and, shunning destiny, long for destiny? Because being here amounts to so much, because all this here and now, so fleeting, seems to require us and strangely concerns us, us, the most fleeting of all. Just once, everything, only for once, once and no more, and we too once and never again. But this having been once, though only once, having been once on earth, can it ever be canceled? Here ends the reading. Thank you.
Thank you. So I want to talk about death today. And you may be asking yourself, why exactly? It's not an October Sunday close to Dia de los Muertos or All Souls Day. It's not the May Memorial Day weekend. We're smack dab in the middle of February having just passed Valentine's Day with President's Day at the next stop. And the theme for this month is not life and death, but rather justice and equity. So how is it, Reverend, that you came up with this topic? So this is how I got here. When I think of the struggle for justice and equity, I think of solidarity. Being in solidarity with other people and other forms of life. And the one thing that I know that I share with all life forms is that my life will one day end. That is something I hold in common with all of life. If I am living, I am in the midst of a lifetime which had a beginning and undoubtedly will have an end. And I know holding that recognition and realization of an end, of my own life ending, is not easy or pleasant. It can be downright frightening. And it can also be strangely energizing. Listen to Rilke. Because being here amounts to so much. Because all this here and now so fleeting seems to require us and strangely concerns us. Us, the most fleeting of all, just once, everything, only for once, once and no more. And we, too, once and never again. But this having been once, though only once, having been once on earth, can it ever be canceled? I am becoming more and more familiar with that fleeting nature of life that Rilke describes I remember when I was younger hearing older people talk about that, my parents, their friends, uncles, and aunts telling me to savor this life because it seemed to them like they were my age just days ago. And in the blink of the proverbial eye, they were suddenly old. And I remember at those times when I was young thinking I understood but not really understanding how could I because it felt to me like life stretched out in such a way that I was waiting for time to pass until I could reach the next thing. And I sometimes imagined that the future would hold space for all that I could think of and more, so I failed to do things I might have and spent time doing things of little worth thinking I would have time. And now I am one of those older people wanting to caution younger people that it goes so fast. Savor it. Enjoy these days, this day, this moment, for life is fleeting and us the most fleeting of all. And I realize for me personally, some of it is about this season, this season, as February 12th was the anniversary 
of the death of Lael Becker, my wife Hanji's sister. And February 13th was the anniversary of the death of Margie Becker, Hanji's mother. And February 15th, I found out that my sister-in-law Gail's mother died. And yesterday, February 17th, we held a celebration of life service for a beloved member of this congregation, Nancy Norwood. So yes, death is with me, or I am with death. But I am not unique in this. I know that we all have such seasons. We all have lost people we love. We are all in different places in engaging with our own mortality. We all hold measures of sadness about the deaths of loved ones, grief about the losses that come with death, fear, heartache, even anger at the prospect of death or at the finality of it all. Just once, everything only for once, once and no more, and we too once and never again. When it comes to death, one might say that we are in mortal solidarity with one another. Helen Keller described it this way, we bereaved are not alone. We belong to the largest company in all the world, the company of those who have known suffering. When it seems that our sorrow is too great to be borne, let us think of the great family of the heavy-hearted into which our grief has given us entrance. And inevitably, we will feel about us their arms, their sympathy, their understanding. Believe, she writes, when you are most unhappy that there is something for you to do in the world, so long as you can sweeten another's pain, life is not vain. And this is where I connect back to our work toward justice and equity. Having recognized our connection to others in suffering the deaths of those we love, having recognized our connection to others in that our own lives will end, both Rilke and Keller, it seems to me, call us to action because being here amounts to so much because all this here and now so fleeting seems to require us and strangely concerns us, us, the most fleeting of all. Believe when you are most unhappy that there is something for you to do in the world so long as you can sweeten another's pain. Life is not vain. When I accept that I will die, the time I have, all this here and now so fleeting becomes precious. And I see too the preciousness of lives other than mine. People that suffer sadness and loss who want only to be here in a way that allows them to flourish for the time they have. Ensuring that possibility as best we can for others, people who may not be like me in many other ways, but with whom I am in mortal solidarity, ensuring the possibility for their lives to flourish free of discrimination and oppression and injustice concerns me and seems to require my engagement. 
There is something for me to do in the world. Life is not vain. And there is a use for my own pain if I can help to make another's life better. May nothing evil cross this door. May ill fortune never pry about these windows. May the roar and rain go by. And may this blessing hold for every door, for every window, and reach also those who don't have the luxury of doors and windows. All of those with whom we are in mortal solidarity. And while the speculation about what happens to us after we die is wide open, and there are undoubtedly many differing perspectives in this congregation, the fact is we are part of a religious tradition that focuses on life before death. When I do come to accept my own mortality, and when I say accept, I don't mean once and for all acceptance, but when I practice accepting my own mortality, I am no longer controlled by my buried desire to escape it, that desire to escape my awareness that I will die, to look the other way. That separates me from others, insulates me from life, and clutters my days with a vain striving for a security that must forever elude me. I've heard some people say, what would you do if you knew you were going to die? And I said, that is not a hypothetical. (laughs) The reason I would urge us to face our own mortality is because it creates an immediate kinship with all that is mortal. We are no longer imagining ourselves outside the bonds of mortality. We share the same destiny with the people on either side of us, with people we will never meet, with everyone and everything that lives, with everything that exists, with dogs and cats and turtles and mosquitoes, with snowflakes and moonbeams and flowers and volcanoes, with the sun and earth and stars, all living substance, all substance of energy, being, and purpose, we are united. Birth, life, death, unknown, known, unknown. Our destiny from unknown to unknown, but in between all this here and now, being here and living, breathing now, this amounts to so much. What we do with our concern, this here and now, it requires us. We are none of us safe from death, but we are alive and united and feel stronger than ever when we can embrace this existence and be there for each other in mortal solidarity with deep gratitude for this here and now, working toward justice and equity, building the common good. And having been once on earth, can it ever be canceled?